for all sorts of people to enjoy Revelstoke is really would be my dream. Tourism brings cultural diversity and that people come and visit here and when they love it, they try to move here. I think that if there's anything we don't lack as a community, it's energy. You're listening to Think Revelstoke, a show about the future of tourism in Revelstoke and the greatest challenges of today's tourism destinations, along with their most inspiring solutions. We're speaking to you from beautiful Revelstoke, British Columbia, a city on the territory of four nations where we live, work, and adventure. The Sinaiks, the Shishwetmik, the Silks, and the Tunaha. I'm Rodney Payne, CEO at Destination Think. And I'm Robin Goldsmith, Destination and Sustainability Manager at Tourism Revelstoke. As part of this podcast, we're reaching out to some of our community members to hear their perspective on Revelstoke and where we're heading. Today's episode is all about community development and the interrelationship between tourism and the social health of the community. Today's guest is Rosetta Bonaba, who has until very recently owned and operated Red Wagon Childcare for most of her career. And she's taught my daughter. So I'm very excited uh, to be speaking with you today, Rosetta. Good to be here. So Rosetta, what is your connection to Revelstoke? How long have you been here? What brought you here? Uh, and what do you do in town? All right. So um, we moved here uh, end of August in 94. My husband works with CP and he got a transfer um, to come either here or Golden. And I had sort of been familiar with Golden, never been to Revelstoke. He said it was warmer. I was in. So <laughs> that's what brought us here, actually. And at the time, I had um, a one-year-old, and I was expecting my second child at that time. So that's sort of what brought us here. And then um, when my oldest turned three, uh, because my background is in early childhood education, I wanted to make sure he went into a preschool. And so I brought him into a preschool. As soon as they heard that I was qualified, they sort of said, hey, come and work for us, come and sub. So that's sort of the way I started out subbing and then um, I ended up working at Jumping Jack's Preschool, which was a community connections um, nonprofit run organization. And before long, I was asked to take over. Uh, the, the manager that was there at the time was moving. And um, so I, I jumped in and sort of took over the role there. And that's sort of what, what got me here and how I sort of started my career here with early childhood education with the preschool. Have you ever tried to figure out how many little rebel Stokians have been through your classroom doors? I haven't solely for the fact that there's generally two classes and a lot of that first year class of 20 comes into the second year class of 20. So I'd probably say there's probably like first year 40. And then after that, at least 20 more every year after. So a lot. We're talking about hundreds of Revelstoke's little ones yeah. that have got, gotten to know you in, in one way or another, um, which means there's twice as many parents that you've talked to at drop-off time or at pick-up time. And grandparents. And grandparents, uh, which, is, which is really fascinating. What's it like to start to see the next generation come about? Oh, 
that that was a bit of a surprise actually i had while i was working at jumping jacks i had a call from a certain somebody and wait a second she said are you are you the rosetta <laughs> and i said are you the person who i'd taught actually in cranbrook many years before that so now she was registering her child with me so that was full circle moment me me thinking oh man i'm old <laughs> And bringing in this whole other generation of kids. And it was just, it was so cool to sort of have that experience. And it's been really interesting. I followed a lot of these kids. Um, initially, I was going to all the grad ceremonies. And so I was sort of seeing these kids at the preschool level and then seeing them again at grade 12 and what their hopes and aspirations were there. And it was really fun for me just to go, oh, I remember him. He was so quiet and shy. Look at him now. He's in doing all these things. And following these kids along. So for me, that's been really great. How have you seen the community change over all the years you've been doing what you do? There have been changes for sure. Um, another program I was um, facilitating was called, uh, you're probably familiar with, Roots of Empathy. We did something called Seeds of Empathy. I and mean, one of the sessions was sort of getting everybody to put their hands in the middle and looking at the color of everybody's skin. We sort of laughed because everybody was white. Like there was no distinction in color. And I've seen a change that way. We've got a whole, whole bunch of kids coming from all over the world now. And um, for me, I'm very interested in cultures and, and other countries and communities. And so I've seen that change come into play. A lot of people from different places. And for me, it's been a very uh, interesting learning experience. Yeah, no, that's, that's really awesome. Rosetta, what are some of the best qualities of this place? Leaving aside tourism for a second, what are the what are the things you love about Revelstoke? I love the way people look out after each other. And I don't know if that's the same all over the place or not, but I've found here that people do want to help you and they do want to connect you to different things. Like they, you know, if they see your child in downtown and maybe something good or something not so good. They, they uh, feel comfortable calling, you know, telling you about it or, or just different events in town or whatever. I think there's a really good um, connection in town. You mentioned uh, that you moved here in, in 1994 and that uh, your husband was, was working for the railway, um, which, you know, precedes tourism as, as one of our cornerstone industries. So I'm curious uh, what changes you've seen in that sector over the last 30 years? Whoa, quite, quite, quite a change. Actually, shortly, I think it was shortly after we moved here, they moved the dispatchers that were, I think they were locally based, and they moved them out to Calgary. So I know in my husband's line, he works in signals and communications. There was a lot of um, of um, times he'd be called out for different different things. And when he first started his group, I think there were six of them working. Um, and then as of last year, I think they were down to two in his little group people <laughs> in his little sector. So uh, the work hasn't changed. There's still a lot of work being the main line and and um, coming through town here, there's still a lot of work, but it's um, reduced the amount of people that work work there actually with the amount of work there is to do still being quite, quite large and a little bit complicated just because of the location that we're in the physical attributes of town. So far as I know in my little corner of CP. <laughs> 
so there's been an increase in tourism, uh, certainly in, in the time you've been here. Um, in the 90s, there was a big movement towards revitalizing our downtown core. And then, of course, you've been here through what I would say, um, not having been here nearly as long as you, is a huge, huge moment, which was the development of Revelstoke Mountain Resort. And I'm just curious how you perceive tourism in Revelstoke uh, and, and the increase of visitation. That's sort of a two a two way thing. It, it's great to have people here. I think people that live here are very proud of their town and want to share the experience of their town. Um, on the other hand, yeah, for sure, a lot of times I, I won't go downtown certain times of the day, um, certain events that I know are just going to be so busy. And um, so it's sort of a twofold answer. It's great to have the people here and love having them here. But at the same time, you sort of lose a little bit of your um, small town community in a sense. Absolutely. I think that leads, leads well into uh, another question, which is what do, you, what do you perceive as the good things that tourism brings to Revelstoke? Meeting so many people, getting to know so many people from all over the place. I, I do ski, so of course that leads to very interesting conversations on the Gandhi and up on the chairs of, of where people are from and what brought them here. And, and um, their sort of take, I always ask them what they think of the community and, and uh, it, it's great to have those conversations. You, you also mentioned just about the preschool and, and seeing increased diversity. Um, do you think that that might be in part because people are, are visiting from around the world, becoming attached to Revelstoke, enjoying their experience here, and then, and then choosing Revelstoke as a place to live? That's kind of the most common thread that I've heard um, from a lot of people is that we came here to visit. We stayed here for a couple of weeks. We stayed here for a weekend. We stayed here for whatever, and we just grew to love the place and and yeah they look for opportunities to move here as soon as they can you mentioned um crowding and, and sometimes visiting downtown in the busy season being a challenge uh so what are the negatives that you think tourism brings to revelstoke i'd say in my own position with my own children um i always felt quite comfortable when they were a little bit older to send them on their own on their bikes to soccer and their various events, you felt a, a sense of um, strong community. A lot of people know who you are, know your kids. You knew that they were safe. Um, I don't know that that's quite the same. I don't think it's horrific. I don't think it's it's terrible, but I think that dynamic has changed a little bit. What would you love to see happen in Revelstoke if you think all the way out to 50 years from now in 2073? How would you love to imagine that the community has grown and the town has grown? I would love to see a community that can keep its sort of small town feel, um, but include all of these different cultures and have sort of a, an expanded view of what we have now. Like we sort of value all these different people and cultures, but it would be so great to have a super diverse community that shares their culture with the rest of the community just so that it sort of a, uh, has a place in our community. I would love to see something like that. Uh, so as we're, we're working on this process of, of planning for the future, what advice do you have for us, for myself and Rodney and our, and our team as we uh, embark on reaching out to our community and, and trying to set Revelstoke on the right course? Well, that's a tough question. Um, I think what you guys are doing is amazing, number one. 
And I guess it has to come from a variety of people. You need to sort of get a consensus of what most, most people want to try and um, have in our community and then go forth with sort of a, a group plan, I suppose, trying not to lose focus because I know things change so much and, and new ideas form and, and um, sometimes I think it's hard to stay on track. Yeah, absolutely. I think if there's anything we don't lack as a community, it's energy. Yes, for sure. Well, knowing how in demand you are and that there's many little ones uh, probably ready to, to talk to you, I want to thank you for coming to talk to Robin and I and telling us a little bit about your experience and your perspective on how the community is changing. You're very welcome. It was my pleasure. Thanks, Rosanna. Hi there, I'm David Archer, producer of this podcast. After speaking with Rosetta, Rodney and Robin went to interview Taha Ataya, who is the Community Development Coordinator at the City of Revelstoke. And Taha has a lot of insights to share about the social health of the city and how tourism impacts that. So don't miss it. And then after that, Rodney and Robin will share takeaways from both interviews. Thanks for listening. And now we're back to the show. Taha, you and I have known each other for a number of years just through our friend circle, but uh, I understand you just met Rodney yesterday. Uh, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about that? Because I think it's a really fun little Revelstoke moment. Yeah, well, Rodney and I had a chance running on the gondola. We were both uh, going up for a, a mountain bike ride on the last day of the, uh, of the season at Revelstoke Mountain Resort uh, to go and enjoy those trails and yeah, it was, a, it was a great meeting. I missed opportunity to uh, do the podcast in the gondola, but uh, maybe we can move on to that for future recordings. Taha, I think your role is also new with you. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about the role uh, with the city and, and what the sort of inception of that role is all about? Generally speaking, my role is about building social sector capacity. So all those nonprofits and organizations that are largely grant-funded, um, just supporting them with communication, with capacity building, with grant writing, things like that, that, uh, that allow them to, you know, give a consistent effort, stabilize their capacity, and um, even build capacity in areas that uh, might not be pursued if it weren't for that additional effort or, or uh, ability to apply for grants. Taha, tell us about your connection to Revelstoke. Yeah, so this is interesting. I, I think everyone everyone has a, a different place in uh, their their view on the social health of Revelstoke based on um, where they stand and and the what what story led them to Revelstoke and where they stand in the community now. Uh, I moved here about five, about six years ago now, um, and yeah, my connection was was to first to skiing and I and I actually worked outside of the community community and and uh, commuted to Kamloops for my role there as a, as a youth worker. And the community in Revelstoke is so vibrant and, and uh, supportive and being a part of it is really motivating. And uh, I found myself wanting to get more involved and I did so through uh, some roles with nonprofits in the community, working with the women's shelter here and with the Indigenous Friendship Society uh, and later the, the Canadian Mental Health Association. And um, just just through that, getting a, a pretty rounded view of the of the social sector in Revelstoke, uh, when the role for 
community development coordinator came up, I was, uh, yeah, I was really excited and, and uh, saw an opportunity to, to contribute. And you mentioned uh, the social health of the community. So what are some of the sorts of things you look at to gauge the social health of the community? That is an interesting question because over time, um, the social health of the community might come to rely on a lot of different capacities or different capacities might be strained in the community. Uh, so if we look back to, um, you know, one of the main guiding documents of, of uh, social health, maybe in, in the view of my role, is the poverty reduction strategy. And uh, maybe it was updated or created about 10 years ago uh, by... Jill Zacharias, who is a longtime uh, social development coordinator for the city, and and did pioneered a lot of this work. Um, a lot of a lot of that involved looking at affordability, looking at the changes in um, availability of housing, looking at the types of uh, roles that work roles jobs that existed in the community, and uh, even at things like a gender gender wage gap that existed in the community because a lot of the, uh, there's an industrial based economy uh, largely in Revelstoke um, and as as well as tourism. And so that had some impact on the the gender wage gap. Um, The living wage was another, you know, topic that came up throughout those years, trying to calculate what, uh, what it would cost for a, you know, composite family to comfortably live and, and work in Revelstoke. Um, and so a number of those things, I think affordability did come out as really one of the main themes um, and and still is. Now, now we're looking at trying to round out that story with more and more um, locally collected data and giving it more context as well in the province because we are seeing that that impact of affordability and on communities throughout the province. When you think about all of the different aspects that go into a strong community, you listed a lot of them. Um, from a tourism perspective, you know, often thinking about the the mental health and well-being of, of tourism workers and other people working in a, a community like ours, living wages, issues around short-term rentals and vacant second homes tourism economy displacing other industries and things. Um, in your role, how do you think we're doing? So um, so right as I started my role, uh, we had just gotten results of a, a COVID well-being study that had been run in Revelstoke. And uh, this is really, you know, the, the concerns with mental health in the community uh, and, you know, throughout the province and the country, even throughout the world, mental health was flagged as one of those things that isolation was contributing to, that um, that lockdowns were really affecting, and uh, and the social development coordinator at the time uh, took on this this study to really understand how how people in Revelstoke were being affected, and really the the outcomes of that were pretty definitive in that, you know, the well-being of people in Revelstoke was heavily impacted by lockdowns. Um, There's also a lot of resiliency that came out of 
out of those stories and out of the out of the lived experience side of it, out of the words that people used themselves to to describe where they were at and how they were how they were being affected. And so, yeah, we have these natural amenities around us, the the outdoors and and all of um, the great trails and lakes and rivers and um, the forest that we love to be in and ski in, and uh, that did contribute to people's to people's mental health and resilience during the during those times. Um, what also came out was a lot of economic insecurity uh, around around the loss of um, tourism incomes at that time, around the uncertainty uh, with how how um, the pandemic pandemic was going to play out long term and around the, the high cost of living that um, you know people even mentioned the concerns with being able to find their next rental unit or that their rental current accommodation wasn't suited for them currently uh, and so you know so, some of those concerns were exacerbated by loss of income but a lot of them were themes that I think are still applicable now to thinking about mental health in the community and how it's affected by affordability and even being a precariously housed person in the community. There's there's a lot there, particularly coming out of the pandemic um, and sort of seeing that, that real-time loss of, of our tourism economy. Um, and I'm curious, are there any ways in which the tourism economy and, and tourism in general, that sort of exchange of of people into our community is helping with the, uh, the social sector in Revelstoke. Yeah, there, there are those tangible ways that we know uh, that I might touched on even a little bit at the beginning, the, those tangible ways that include the contribution of you know, building and maintaining new trails and new amenities and new uh, ways to access the outdoors that, that are contributed to by people who come from outside of the community or for here for the tourism industry and are passionate about contributing to uh, to those natural amenities and, and improving on them um, as well as uh, you know the innovation and all the all the creative minds that come from abroad or come from outside of the community that contribute to uh, the social sector here I don't think Revelstoke would be what it is without all of the great people who have um, who have chosen to move here because they're they're attracted to the community and and uh, and now are committed to making it a better a better place. So there's a lot a lot there that um, yeah I hope that uh, is is really building the resilience of Revelstoke as well as um, and and not just taking away from it. There's a lot of influx into our community, not just from people coming for a ski holiday or visiting to hike in the summer, uh, but also people who are coming to work seasonally or maybe coming for a month here and there just to experience uh, the amenities we have in Revelstoke um, and, and to live here for just a short period of time. Um, I'm just curious if you could speak to a bit about, you know, our seasonal workers and maybe a little more about um, our, our short-term residents and how they're impacting the social fabric of Revelstoke. Yeah, I don't want to speak about um, those amenity migra- migrants, people who are migrating for amenities, uh, as the only group. Like you said, there are, there are a lot of short-term uh, residents in the community who, who come here for a time, uh, 
may, may have a few months to to be off work or to travel and and take up housing in Revelstoke, um, take up living in Revelstoke really, and um, their impact is is on in part in part in part their impact is on um, the population of Revelstoke in a way that can't necessarily be counted um, by census or by those traditional ways that we try to gauge the size of a community. And so our, our department, Community Economic Development, um, did study this in, in the past a couple of years ago with, uh, with TELUS and looked at cell phone data that tried to quantify you know, a moving window of people who could be considered short-term residents for, so here for two to three months or more and uh, found that that population was significantly bigger than what you would find on our, our census profile. And uh, that has impacts in the way that, you know, our city infrastructure is calculated and funded for a certain number of, um, you know, beds and toilet flushes and road roadways. And so being able to, to dial that in um, and and understand how many people are uh, are indeed in Revelstoke can lead to different decisions being made and and uh, in the best case scenario for for the community and, and for the municipality, uh, you know, investing in infrastructure that can support not just the physical infrastructure but also the social infrastructure. So um, if we know that there are thousands more people here in the winter, um, demand for counseling might be higher because that, that is just one of those services that's, um, that's highly demanded and, and uh, that mental health demands or uh, mental health funding might be necessary for. Same with the hospital, same with um, even the food bank and, and uh, various other services that, that are widely accessed. Speaking about people having to move out of the community and maybe still trying to work here, but having to live um, in a in a bedroom community, you know, we see that uh, we see that in a lot of popular mountain destinations and tourism destinations. Um, it's something I don't think we'd all love to see here. Uh, so that brings me uh, to the question: If our current trajectory continues uh, with tourism and sort of our social fabric, what do you imagine the worst case scenario to be for Revelstoke? So the, I did, I did have to think about this in, in some detail um, as part of the poverty reduction strategy, which um, in an environment that's becoming unaffordable at, a, at such a rate as Revelstoke is, um, that for, for a lot of the, the community, I would say um, the idea of reducing poverty is actually quite difficult to, to fathom. Um, and that puts, you know, that puts us in a, a difficult place of trying to set goals when we're at the hands of, uh, really, we're downstream of global forces that uh, we don't have control over. And um, where, you know, capital and, and, uh, and people are moving around the world. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think the worst case scenario is not really not acknowledging that and, and setting goals that are commensurate with it so that we can really take action 
in the most effective way because uh, we really need to be coordinated with all our local resources uh, to, re to affect change around this. And, uh, you know, there, there's a book that I picked up uh, by Dr. Jenny Stuber called um, Aspen and the American Dream that describes how, you know, Aspen becoming super gentrified in, in her words, um, really the, the home of like movie star level wealth and, and second homes um, is, is extremely difficult to counteract. And, and she's the metaphor of a, the analogy of a knife to a bazooka fight. And uh, it, it can feel like that and it can be really uh, demoralizing to think that we might not have um, might not have a voice in, in how the community is developing. Um, but hopefully by, by, um, by really coordinating our, our efforts, we can at least sharpen that knife up, if not, if not better. Taha, I want you to think about 2073, which is 50 years from now. What do you imagine the best case scenario for Revelstoke to be? What would you love for us to have achieved as a community? I, um, I would love for Revelstoke to be a place that um, has navigated the inequalities that, are, that exist throughout our world in a way that, um, that all types and, and a diversity of people of all kinds can, can live and enjoy Revelstoke. It's, uh, like I said, an extremely special place to, to us and, um, and to me. And the idea of not being able to share that uh, and, and f of people being excluded from that uh, because of their income level or because of their any any number of uh, yeah any number of their um, any lack of privilege really uh, is is uh, is kind of the the mirror of that so so yeah be, for all for all sorts of people to enjoy Revelstoke is really would be my dream. So I'd like to thank our guest Taha Taya for coming on today. Uh, he has a lot of insight into our community, uh, is a great human, uh, a friend of mine, and, and a fabulous community member. So thanks so much, Taha, for lending your voice. Uh, I think you've provided a lot of really valuable insight and some of the sides of Revelstoke that, that we don't always see. So thanks so much. I know there's a lot that you've shared with us today that I'll be keeping top of mind as we move forward through the planning process and, and talking to other people. So as Robin said, thank you for joining us today. And uh, Taha, are there any closing remarks you'd like to leave us with? Uh, I thank you for having me on. I, I uh, really enjoyed being able to talk through some of this. And, and yeah, and I, I'd lastly just uh, plug the, the Poverty Reduction Strategy podcast that I'm working on. Uh, it's unnamed at, as of now, but uh, I hope you'll be hearing about it and, and uh, tuning in um, if you want to learn more about what poverty reduction in, in Revelstoke will look like. Thanks. Thanks, Taha. I think that Taha's role at the city of Revelstoke is a really interesting one when it comes to the destination management 
journey we're embarking on because a lot of the things that he deals with from a community perspective are interrelated with the things that tourism brings to the community, but also some of the pressures it puts on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think one, I'm, I'm really happy the city has that position. It shows, you know, that they're considering the social effects and the importance of, of not just leaving um, the mitigation of those two volunteer groups. We have some great uh, we have some great activists and volunteers in this town, but I think it's really important that there's a city-led effort. Um, and I think Taha and his position has great oversight and connection between both the city and groups like Community Connections who are making efforts to alleviate some of the pressure points um, for those people who are facing a housing crisis or having trouble accessing food or shelter. So um, I'm glad to see that, that that's being considered in tandem with you know, some of the economic benefits and pressures that our city faces. I'm really excited about the opportunity for you in, and your role at Tourism Revelstoke to be more closely tied to what Taha's doing. And as part of the planning process for us to really think through what are some of the metrics or things that we need to be checking in on regularly and how do they relate to tourism? And I think getting those right will be a really important part of the planning process. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting too from a perspective of someone who participates in the tourism economy and, and sort of derives my income from the tourism economy. Uh, and a lot of my friends are the same, that we don't necessarily see some of the folks that are considered by these social metrics. And it'd be quite easy to carry on pretending that everyone in Revelstoke is skiing and applet and having a wonderful time. Uh, and here for the lifestyle, whereas there are a lot of people who just really don't encounter, um, you know, that side of Revelstoke, whereas people who are working in positions like Taha's or at the hospital or in the schools are seeing um, the economic diversity in our community. And I think it's really important that we recognize the various sectors and, and keep keep everyone in mind as we're, as we're moving forward and not just focus on our newer residents or our residents who access the ski hill, who go mountain biking, who have the economic privilege to participate in those activities. Um, and I really liked what, what Taha was saying, talking about amenity migrants and how much of a portion that population is in Revelstoke. But there are the folks who have who've lived here and who have made their living in Revelstoke for a long time. And, and some of those folks are falling behind and it's important that we don't just leave them behind the eight ball. There are so many trends happening at a macro perspective, not just in Revelstoke, but in different parts of the world, partly because of economic cycles and interest rates having been quite low for quite a long time, quantitative, quantitative easing causing, you know, a wealth divide and more pressure on affordability and the cost of housing in a lot of countries and cities. And that leading, you know, and interrelated with increasing polarization politically. And it's important for us to separate out what is within our control and what isn't as we think about, you know, stewarding Revelstoke as a, a place that does derive a lot of its income from tourism, but also think really creatively about, you know, how can we play into some of those things? I think that it's, impossible to ignore at this point as a resident of Revelstoke some of the pressures that 
tourism is already putting on us. Um, the ability to get a plumber, the, uh, the urgent need of essential workers being able to afford to live here is, is already playing out in our day-to-day, -day, not just within the tourism industry, but the broader community. And I think we still have a huge opportunity to have some agency and take control of some of these things if we're creative and can think bigger and long-term. Yeah, I think one of the ways I've been thinking about what we're trying to do in our role is like a garden hose metaphor. So if you have just the garden hose without that little attachment that disperses the flow, it's really directed. And I, I'm thinking of us and, and our planning process as being the thing that you plug onto the hose to get the different spray nozzles. Um, and so I feel like some of the things we're talking to Taha about are, are taking that economic inflow and being that garden hose distributor, if you will, uh, and spreading that, that money throughout the community. So we really just need to find the mechanisms and the levers to pull to ensure that that distribution happens. Uh, because right now I think we're doing a pretty poor job of it in Revelstoke, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there for dispersal. And to continue building on that analogy, make sure that the hose is pointing at the right places. Where does the lawn need water at the moment? One of the things that's really been important to us as we look for ways to talk to the community is to directly talk to people one-on-one -on -one who can give us a perspective outside of tourism about their perceptions of how tourism is impacting our community and our town and their lives and the lives of people we know. And I've gotten to know Rosetta through Red Wagon that my daughter goes to and was blown away when she was telling me the story of how people that she used to have as preschoolers are now bringing their kids. And so I was thinking that Rosetta would have a really interesting perspective on our community with the chance to talk to, it must be over a thousand parents over the decades now and see hundreds and hundreds of kids come through her classroom. And I was expecting Rosetta, I think, to talk a little more negatively about tourism. And it's part of the reason I wanted to talk to her is I wanted to get a really candid perspective on some of the bad parts of tourism. I know that there's people leaving the community because they can't afford to stay here. I know it's harder and harder to fill jobs. And I think a lot of us are critically aware of that. But one of the things that Rosetta kind of blew me away with was the reminder that tourism brings cultural diversity and that people come and visit here and when they love it, they try to move here. And it's not always for economic reasons, like other places. It's because they really identify with the community or the outdoor lifestyle here or some of our natural amenities. And we, we build a more diverse place. Yeah, I think that's something that we, we say is a benefit of a tourism economy. Um, and hearing Rosetta articulate that as someone who's not involved with the industry and, and not sort of dealing with industry speak, I was, I was really gratified to hear that, that that assumption that I've made for so long is actually you know, operating in practice. This has been Think Revelstoke, presented by Tourism Revelstoke and Destination Think. 
Our hosts are Robin Goldsmith and Rodney Payne. This episode has been produced and has theme music composed by me, David Archer. Lindsay Payne and Annika Rotiola provided production support. Our show comes from the beautiful city of Revelstoke, British Columbia, Canada, located on the land of the Sinaiks, the Shishwetmek, the Silks, and the Tunaha. You can help this show by subscribing to future episodes and by leaving a review. Next time, we'll speak with Chief Frank Antoine of Bonaparte First Nation. See you then.